Well, I can see you boys aren't like the usual hooligans hanging around here. Like these two fellas, uh, Buff Code and Beaver. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome in to Buff Coat and Beaver, a Beavis and Butthead podcast. Last week, Adam, I'm Clay Cunningham, Adam Kurtz here with always. And last week, um, we gave a little T-Pow shout out to our fans for their, giving us their heart and soul. And they responded by saying, hey, don't you make us beg for more hot content. Fun oh, T-Pow. my fun, hot fun, content. Fun T-Pow reference two weeks in a row. And um, to be compliant with those wishes, uh, we are back with the first ever Buff Coat and Beaver special edition. And you know what? Just like Star Wars, this is going to be an instance where the special edition blows the original out of the water. <laughs> Joining us today, um, our first ever, well, not our first guest, sorry. I know my friend Sarah is going to be furious to say that. But our, our first guest, who was not a college friend of mine, is, um, you know, generally it's kind of like to say somebody is the biggest fan of like a piece of art kind of seems like totally subjective. But this is an instance where I think it, it holds true. Uh, we are speaking with uh, the owner of the world's largest Beavis and Butthead memorabilia collection uh, and uh, Beavis and Butthead fan of the stars, I guess you would say. <laughs> uh, Sean Beard, welcome to the broadcast. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Hey, hey. <laughs> All right. Hey. Killer intro right off the bat. Um, so, uh, well, just some pleasantry, Sean. How are you? Oh, fantastic, dude. I just got back from Georgia, and I got a freaking night to sleep. And now I'm back home, and um, I'm just at peace. And, and I've been looking forward to talking to you guys. So, so I'm just feeling as good as I could. And check this out. I even scored recently. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh man, wow. Yeah, it's a true story. It's a true story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys weren't there. You were like somewhere else, probably like doing a podcast or something. But man, you really are hitting all strides momentum wise here. <laughs> I feel like I kind of scored by you scoring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> felt some vicarious pride for for some reason i didn't fully understand well you know i was doing it and i was like i was like ooh yeah and then i was like well i do have that podcast coming i better hurry up <laughs> oh well that's uh, i normally I, I i love a good someone else scored story it warms my heart but um yeah, i don't kiss and tell but i score and tell <laughs> Hell yeah. And you found the perfect format to do it. Well, Sean, um, just to kind of get things underway, just sort of the boiler point, boilerplate question. Um, just tell us about your history with the show, like how you got into it, and just sort of what made you, put you on the path to becoming Beavis and Butthead's ultimate fan. Yeah, there's so many layers to the story. I don't know where, where to start sometime, but I guess... I mean, I was born in 87, so 93, I was, you know, five or six. Um, (laughs) Should I tell the story the first time I saw it? I feel like that's, I feel like it's a good story. Um, My my parents like split up for a few months and my dad was living with his childhood friend, Ronnie, you know, and I'd go over there and visit. And um, Ronnie's living room was a recliner, a TV, like one of those nice wood panel TVs, you know what I'm saying? At a, uh, a big-ass bookshelf, probably like two bookshelves, 
of just VHS porn. And then in the corner, there was a bunch of boxes of Hustler magazines. <laughs> My God. And, and, and Ronnie being Ronnie was like, oh, we'll put some cartoons on for him. And that's the first time I saw Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> so, so, you know, Ronnie was obviously cool. I think we can all agree right there. <laughs> oh, yeah, hell yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, <laughs> it was the tail end of No Laughing, but it, it was the version where they would, um, they would put the chainsaw scene with insect cord at the end to kind of fill time. There was an airing of it that did that. I remember that specifically. And uh, the way that they looked kind of like fucking scared me. And I, cause I, I'm pretty young. And I remember yeah. Beavis kind of made me think of like a velociraptor at that age. Cause Jurassic Park was probably new or coming out or something like that, you know? So I had yeah. dinosaurs fresh in the brain. And then I just started obsessively drawing them and um, seeking it out. And it was, we didn't have cable. Uh, until like 95. So most of my Beavis memories for those first two years are going to a friend's house whose like parents had that big dish in their fucking yard. Or um, my aunt had the black box, which is the thing that would like get you free cable that you could hook up back then that everybody had. Yeah. Um, And then I got the album and the comics were coming, you know, all that. And I, it's just became obsessed. Um. <laughs> like right from there, I just fell in love with them. And as the show progressed, it it, it really like struck a nerve with me. Just it just it, and it was a total escape at that age because you know life. But but uh, yeah, I don't know. I I can go layers on that one, buddy. But yeah, I love them. <laughs> They're pretty cool. So yeah, drawing them, and then you know, like being at that age, I think toys. Any if you saw a Beavis and Butthead toy or anything, stickers, whatever, yeah, yeah. you're obviously gonna be drawn to that too. So yeah. is that when your collection started? Like yeah. how did that the, start? The very first thing I got was a carnival mirror, which um has Beavis smoking. It's drawn terrible. In fact, I'll I'll, po- I'll <laughs> like post it today so you can see afterwards what I was talking about. But it's a bootleg carnival mirror. And that was the first thing because growing up in the middle of nowhere, Beavis and Butthead was on the on the scale where like there were the merchandise started hitting like little gas stations, but it was mostly bootleg stuff like pogs. And then like the, the local fair, there was so much bootleg Beavis and Buzz stuff. So it's so definitely that. Um, and then when the trading cards came out, those were at like a comic book shop. And my grandma bought me the whole set. The guy had like the whole like deck without the scratch and sniffs. And she got me that. And that's where the obsession with the censorship of it came into play. Cause I remember with, you know, the fire controversy, but then having all the trading cards, they kind of documented all the episodes that had aired up to that point anyways. And it seemed like half of them were banned already or whatever, you know, they were not playing them on TV and I would just want, and not just like the, the classics, like way down Mexico way, but there's a, a trading card for cow tipping. And that they just never aired that episode. You just never saw it. So I would just picture what it was from that one still shot and the description on the back for years until, you know, the internet broke. And then like the whole King Turd collection started like coming along and then you'd finally see them. Um, And then some, I remember getting the VHS tapes as a kid, like there goes the neighborhood, which has uh, lawn and garden and home improvement and, and, um, the whole paint thinner scene is just completely missing. It takes like a five minute episode. It makes it two minutes. It cuts so much out of it almost. Wow. And I remember the internet coming out and finally seeing 
that full unedited version after years of thinking in my child, in my, in my head, like, boy, that episode feels really, really rushed. And then realizing that so much is cut from it, that that, and that boy, so the episodes that I was familiar with that were like controversial, and then you go years and years of watching when then you see what it was supposed to be. And it's just, it just seemed like every year, like there'd be a whole new reason to keep this obsession, like fresh, you know? <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah. but, but like I said, there's just layers to that. The, the, the collecting, I got like, we didn't like get a lot as a kid. I don't think my collection was really insane as a kid. I had the posters, I had some shirts, um, which I had to turn inside out at school. That turned into a big controversy. <laughs> uh, and my mom being the fucking awesome mom, she still is this day. You know, they call it. She's like, well, that's all I bought him. So that's what he's wearing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, shit. When I got my first Beavis tattoo, my mom went, is that for me? You know? So, <laughs> you know, so yeah. she's always been. And her and I used to watch it together around when we got the cable in 95. And those were the first times in my life I saw my mom genuinely laugh that hard to where she's like holding her stomach because it hurts and just in tears. And I think my mom's like a real sweetheart. And I think seeing her laugh at, at that because it's kind of cynical, it, it, the show might not be, but you laughing at it definitely can be, you know, and yeah. um, <laughs> it was the the buy beer episode that I remember really fucking killed her. Like, like she was just, just, it was insane. I, mean, I think at that age, it really humanized her. So there's always been that connection. And it's just, and at this point in my fucking life, you guys know where I am with all this. It's like, well, fuck, like it's, it, this show has literally, um, like helped me through everything. Almost, yeah. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. God, probably a really big one. <laughs> you know, it's probably yeah. not a minuscule thing at this point. It kind of made me who you know, I am, made me a good person at a young age, gave me a moral compass because because I viewed the show that you were supposed to view it even as a child. I wasn't I wasn't one of the kids. I mean, I, I it resonated with me that they were destructive because what one of us as a kid didn't want to break something just to see it break, you know, but uh, <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> that, that's that beautiful uh, juvenile innocence that I think it captures. You know, it's your relationship with your mom is interesting because I think like for Clay and I, it's your mom probably saw the show for what it's worth too. Is like my kid, I can, he's not going to behave like these no. idiots. He can see them for no. what they are. Yes. Yeah. But our parents are like, our kids are so stupid that we think they'll, they'll do something poor. Well, they, they did not let us watch the show when we were kids. Like, did you guys sneak it? Sn Oh, at, my dad yeah. would watch it, and I would, like, hide behind a recliner in the living room. That's awesome. <laughs> like, That's awesome. So, like, I know he enjoyed it, and he still does enjoy it to this day. But, like, <laughs> I think it was one of those things where he knew I was there. But, Probably, like, dude. He Probably. He wouldn't tell my mom. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. This is a, it's a way <laughs> so, of letting you watch it, by, but he's not going to get in trouble because you were sneaking it yeah <laughs> so that's that had did so i mean i'm guessing it, you've kind of already answered this but it yeah. kind of had to bring you guys closer yeah. since i'm guessing people in your age group you know were like us where their parents didn't understand it didn't want to understand it and just said no you're not watching that because well, of the news and whatever I, I mean one one part of the whole story with me that i've i really never come out about with publicly was and i i, I don't know if I should, cause it's kind of, it's, it's like a sad story and I don't like bringing people down, but the, after the fire controversy happened, my school 
really did home in on my mom about letting me watch the show, wearing the shirts, refusing to stop me from wearing the shirts. And, and I, and I know this sounds exaggerated because this is a really like overreactionary thing. The school threatened to have me taken away and put into foster care over this. If I, oh if I, God. if I didn't go through therapy and counseling and for years wow. I did have to go through therapy and counseling all over watching Beavis Bud and my mom being the fucking saint she is still let me keep watching it because she argued up and down. I talked to my son about that. My son is not acting out at school. You are guy. They're just literally reacting to the fact that they know that there's a parent letting their kid watch this taboo show. And, um, and that followed me through my almost entire school relationship right up till then South Park came out and boom. And then I had South Park shirts and it all started over again. So I think a big reason why I am passionate and, and it has become such a big part of my life because when you're that age around the six, seven, when that started happening and, you know, authority tries to take something away, but you know that they're overreacting. I mean, not to go too deep, but by third grade, I, said I was suicidal to the counselor. And when they asked why, I literally replied with, because I'm being forced into therapy because my parents allowed me to watch a cartoon. And they brought my parents in and were like, see, the show made him want to kill himself now. Oh my you know? So, I mean, this is a very 90s story. I do not think this could happen now. I'm not like raising my hands up and trying to bring awareness of something. This is all in the past. But I was a byproduct of, the, you know, the news reacting one way and don't even, I mean, Austin, the kid who that all happened to, we've talked before. And so for me to even compare what happened to me compared to him it is, you know, but, um, and, um, you know, that that's a big thing that made me who I was. And I mean, I, I, to this day argued that the South Park movie is about Beavis and Butthead because I think when the South Park movie came out in 99, when I was 12 and going through everything that I was, and really, it, it, you can argue that it wasn't, but but it is. You know, Kenny imitates a fire scene with Terrence and Philip. They're pretty much Beavis and Butthead. The parents overreact. It leads to big thing, you know. Um, and then, of course, Kenny, when he's unhooded, is voiced by Mike Judge. But I felt like an entire movie was just made defending me. So that, that is my favorite. I hold the South Park movie over the Beavis movie because it is about Beavis and Butthead, you know. So with, with everything, like things like kids like me and Austin were going for it. Like you'd see it on the news, but odds are your parents were just not letting you watch it. But, but there were parents who were like, no, I'm going to let my kids watch it. And there were repercussions to, to making that stand. It's insane. That, that is insane. Like yeah. what, what an ultimate lesson of like sticking to your guns and knowing your morals are right though within yeah. and not letting anybody yeah. else dictate that. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, I can't imagine what you're going through. That's unbelievable. It's still like yeah. for your mom to stick to it. Is, yeah. I can understand why your passions are, man. That's, that's cool that your mom was there Hell for yeah, you man. in it, that instance. I, and you guys know where I am now at this point. I work for the Cricket Gallery selling the original art from the show. I mean, that was a big aha moment to all those, you know, to that school system when I was growing up. I mean, it was very full circle. Every, everything is the fact that you guys are talking to me right now just makes it that much more full circle. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty awesome, but I've never, I've never really told that story. I've kind of kept that one to myself, but that, I don't know. It felt like, wow, man, not? that's, was there that's ever awesome. anything like I, I, 
the, did you ever have to take part or did anybody in your school take part in like those like where they wrote letters to the show to talk about how <laughs> evil they were and uh, to mention how they have guns no we were not one of those schools um as far as i knew uh because but a part a part of me wants to say that 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 it could have happened because there was so many times in this where I wasn't allowed in school for a bit because, you know, things were just going all weird and they were so concerned and made such a big deal out of it. And, and I know that it was a hot topic in my school that, 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 that there was a kid whose parents allowed him to watch it. So I wouldn't be surprised if my class while I was in therapy had to write letters and they send them to, I it wouldn't have fucking shock me. In fact, um, there's a uh, MTV examined. It's this uh, little VHS that came out. I think in 94, and it's uh, like a Catholic organization making a propaganda tape about how MTV, you know, Beavis and Bud caused kids to cause fire, and Polly Shore is making everyone a homosexual. And, and it's, uh, <laughs> and, and, and at the end of the, uh, which, you know, but <laughs> I guess they're not all wrong. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, but at the end of it, they were that pretty much like, you can make a, yeah, you can make a point. You can boycott your local cable company and say, if you don't get rid of this channel, you will get rid of your, uh, subscription. Um, and that tape did affect my town. Kids in my town weren't just not allowed to watch Beavis and Butthead. There was no MTV. So unless you had a kid with a satellite dish, those were the only kids who were seeing it anyways. So it wasn't even a thing where other kids in my school were like, well, my parents let me watch it. No one was really actually seeing it. And I was kind of being singled out at that age. And I remember them coming in and the principal saying that they set cats on fire. And my mom was like, I watched the show. They literally, I've never seen that, you know, you know, so it's just, uh, it's well, the Catholic church usually puts protecting kids first. Yeah. So oh. I can understand. <laughs> Whoa, this has gotten hot button. If all I the kids are on my fire, I can't rape them. <laughs> <laughs> my guy. I, um, just kind of a sidebar, like, like, um, <laughs> <laughs> Clay's trying to recover from that. I, yeah, it, it knocked me off. Um, but kind of like, like speaking of like, you know, just like, like offensive television. I don't know if, if you guys happen to watch the recent uh, Pam and Tommy show on Hulu. I have not, but no. Well, there's there's a scene in it where it's like, and it's showing, it's like documenting like when Pam Anderson and Tommy Lee. If people don't know, it's about the leak of the Pam yeah, and Tommy yeah, Lee yeah, I remember it sex, sex tape. But like, um, like Tommy Lee's like having like he's kind of drugged out of his mind. But he's essentially having a conversation with his dick. Like his dick is trying to talk. Like he's I've like he's talking about he's in, this scene only for yeah, some reason. But like 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 he's in love and his dick's like trying to like no man, there's other women to fuck. And like you actually see like a prosthetic penis sort of like talking. It's like a trauma. <laughs> and I just. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just, like, imagine, like, the people who were so outraged by this. Like, imagine, like, showing them that to let them know, like, what, how, what, the nature of offensive TV. Like, even, like, American Horror Story, it, like, airs at 8 o'clock at night, and it's, like, even I watch it sometimes, I'm like, Jesus Christ, I hope kids aren't seeing this. And then I remember my childhood, and I'm like, shut up, Sean. 
<laughs> Son of a bitch. But things have gone so far. I think the South Park movie shut everybody up because then shows like Family Guy and American Dad and like, like Drawn Together, Wonder shows in. I mean, things got really fucking edgy for the sake of offensive for the sake of being offensive after that. And I'm not complaining about it. But when it comes to the 90s, Simpsons had a good fucking point. Beavis really did have a good point, whether it cared you saw or not. Um, South Park had a great point. Um, in St. Clown Posse wanted you to go to heaven, apparently. You know, um, it seemed like everything that was vulgar and seen as offensive in the 90s was like this trick of let's disguise a good message with vulgarity. And, and I think I, with, with 90s censorship, it was truly the time where the censorship wasn't necessary. Um, well, not that I think censorship is, I, I like the cartoons are just allowed to say, fuck you. Here's my dick, whatever. Now, if that's what you're into and that's what you find funny, you should be allowed to laugh at it. But for how upset people got in the nineties, there really wasn't that much to be upset about. They were just taking everything at surface value, but odds are some of these things wouldn't, um, have gotten the attention if it weren't for that. So it's, yeah. It's and, and well, I always two like ways to look at it. Yeah. And I think but kind of maybe hurt Beavis and Butthead in terms of like public perception, but I think helped the, the show is that it never made a point to tell you what the message was That's because exactly, it was told exactly. through the prism of these two people exactly. who are both too stupid and too arrogant to ever like learn a lesson. Yeah. That's what yeah. really made me connect with it because I got more into it because I wasn't allowed. Yeah, my mom wasn't cool. Take that, mom. <laughs> yeah, really. She listens yeah, to the really. show. Your mom sucks, yeah. Stuart. that's my dad don't worry he's cool (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't seem cool but um going like but kind of going through that like you know you talked about you know seeing as a five-year-old five six-year-old but do you remember like a moment where you sort of like maybe saw the show in a different light like maybe it clicked more as opposed to just like liking the dumb jokes to where you really started to pick up on the the satire of it? Or is that kind of something that was set in right away? Yeah. Um, well, my dad was a womanizer and, and, and a pig rest in peace, dad. Um, so I I got that the show was kind of making fun of him, but quite honestly, and not to compare my two favorite characters to his asshole, but it, it, you know, it's, it's kind of, (laughs) you know, where Johnny Bravo falls flat, that guy would have scored, you know? Yes, he would yeah. have. Yeah. In real life, it's, it's a guy like Jai Bravo doesn't just go up to every hot chick and not eventually get any, you know? Uh, <laughs> it's a numbers game at that yeah, point yeah. for Johnny so, Bravo. So I, yeah, I even saw, like, the satire, and it was making fun of people like my dad. But it's charming because they're 14-year-old boys, and they really are coming from a place of doing something because they don't necessarily understand why they want it, but they have been kind of groomed by the media to think that it's cool. I mean, they, they are two boys with um, no guidance outside of cable TV at that time. But the, this, that's the big message. But the Simpsons kind of hit that in a sense, too, just how cable TV is affecting the American family. But what about the kids who don't have any guidance? And that's where I think Beavis and Bud really hit. But I think the episode that really made me, it, it's probably one of the least subtle, because I think of quite a few, hand, a good handful of the episodes do have a point. Some really are just for humor, of course. Um, lightning strikes. Because I was going through what I was going through, 
I got what that episode was saying first time I saw it. And I, I mean, you, you guys are obviously they imitate um, Ben Franklin with the key on the kite. And uh, when the media tries to blame TV, they don't believe it would be that. So they blame Howard Stern and music videos, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it makes just the point that we can't necessarily censor things because people will imitate them because there's always going to be someone stupid enough to imitate anything, even Ben Franklin tying a key to a kite and trying to start my <laughs> lightning. You can't tell me that like decades and decades ago, some boys didn't try that when they read about it in school. I mean, come on, dude. It sounds like it'd be fucking awesome. And that guy survived there's it. A, He's a hero. You know, <laughs> there's a Ben Franklin. I think there's like a, isn't there a Ben Franklin Ken Burns directed documentary out now? I think I just saw that the other day. I have no idea. I'm not very smart. <laughs> Well, it's, yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 I just thought he died. I mean, How I, is he making documentaries? It's, um, it, I, 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 I don't have the answer to that. But that uh, lightning just, made I, him I, immortal. That's right. He's a Highlander, actually. We're there, dude. I was, I was worried for the youth of America that that horrible influence was being subjected to our kids again. All, but, oh no, he's back. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Lock your daughter away. Uh, no, I hope he doesn't become a college professor. <laughs> uh, so, Sean, what's your um, what's your favorite era of the show? So, because oh, um, idiots like us, you know, we kind of shit on the early episodes, but wow. purists like yourself, like wow. Um, wow. we don't shit on them. We're, but like, we're critics. Do you, yes, do you like, like the episodes themselves, or you don't like the music video segments in the crude era? Or both. First of all, I, I I'm a huge fan of the music video segments, so okay. I stand by those forever. Okay. But uh, I think um, our critic, we're just critical of them. We we don't mind the episodes, but okay. I think like the the crew drawings and the, some of the aspects are even more cartoony, like oh, blood t- drive and stuff, where the blood oh, yeah. is just out of control yeah, that and one things sucks. like that. So yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I, I like the. I think the early crude era episodes have more replay value in the sense that. I can put them on right now and clean to them. You know, they don't demand too much from me. They aren't necessarily that funny. Um, a few of them, I think, are. A few of them, I think, are really good. Yes. Um, but yeah, the majority of them really aren't that good, especially when missing the music video intersections, because they definitely wrote them to have those come in. It seems like the punchline on some of the jokes is that the music video cuts in there. And without that, it's like, there's no comedic timing in some of these. Not that there's that much anyway. I can't, I can't pretend the crude era is brilliant, but I fucking love it. Um, I think peak Beavis and Butthead is season five, 100%. I, I, it was the perfect balance. Um, a lot of episodes about nothing very simple plot devices. I think that's when they work best is when you put a very simple plot device and just their reactions blow it out of proportion. Um, gosh, yes. Season five. I mean, if you can name some episodes from it, you know, choke a uh, great example, you know, just little things being blown out of proportion. Um, but I do love the crude era. I don't really like that little era right after the crude era when it first switches to cells where it has like couch fishing and comedians. I think those ones are hard to watch because the tone is so off. The style is, looks like Arthur. It looks very strange to me. Um, 
there's very few. <laughs> it does. Yes, yes. It, it's so confusing to me. I've never really dug that section of it. But the music video commentary, I think, starts getting better at that point because the crude era music video commentary, they are not very critical yet. They literally just praise bands. And I don't like when Beavis and Butthead enjoy things. I like if they enjoy something, <laughs> they still are picking apart because their bullshit radar, they're, if it thinks it's good enough to make it on TV, even if it's good, they kind of suck that they tried that much. And that that's where I think Beavis and Butthead get around season four, where it's like, yeah, yeah but you, they still care enough to be here. So they're not all that great, no matter how much they roll. And, uh, and, um, but yeah, season five, man, that's, that's perfect. Uh, where Beavis finds the dead animal and like kind of makes an emotional connection with it. Skin trade. That's one of my favorites of all time. You know? That was disgusting. It's, it's uh, funny as hell. See, I look at it's it so as, good. it's so, I, I know you're right, but it's also so wholesome because Beavis is so pure. And, and I, yep. I even like that there's a few instances in it where he kind of gets permission to keep it and Butthead allows him. Also, that's an episode that kind of <laughs> homes in on how they are. And I'm not going here, but I'm going here. They they kind of are a couple. They treat each other like a couple because that's what Be- Beavis is going on the tyrant because they don't want to buy the fur. He's like, I'm going to tell everybody you don't sell real fur here. You know, and, you get, <laughs> and Butthead, like, Butthead watches and he holds the door open for him when he leaves in that moment. <laughs> Oh, he kind of that like that's as good as Butthead gets to Beavis. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's little yeah, moments yeah. like that are in that that season. It's fucking perfect. That that episode has like one I think is like a quintessential like Beavis and Butthead joke because I remember when they find it and they want to find out what they want to do with it. And Butthead said we could take a leak on it. That'd be cool. And I love that Beavis just damn it! I just took a leak on some dog yes, turd. Yes, it's so fucking true. <laughs> Yeah, yes, what a little, perfect yes, Beavis little, and joke. Little lines like that mean more that, than like the jokes that you could tell were written specifically for the episode. Their little quips around tell so much. I think one of the the moments in the series, I think it's the tire episode, and the gas station clerk comes up to them and he's like, here, I'll let you two break this bottle out back if you just quit bothering <laughs> yes. my customers. Yes. And what I love about that joke is that the reason that guy knows it will work is because he was them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now he's working at a gas station and he knows how to get rid of it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fucking awesome. We just talked about that one not too long ago. And that perspective is hilarious. I, that, that didn't even cross my mind. But I did comment on how, like, in a way, that's as friendly as somebody who's you know, annoyed with Beavis and Butthead. Get, just get it's out of here, he you know? He gets, he's, I'll just give him this glass. He'll go away. And sure enough, they're like, cool. And they fucking go away with that shit, yeah. dude. You know? It's like, that's a good idea, you know? Something, I, I want to get your thoughts, too, because I think a big reason why I like the later episodes is the improved voice work. And I think... Yes, yes, yeah. I think it works so... Like, it works better to me, like the the unwavering self-confidence and swagger 
I think is more apparent because like in earlier butthead's so like duh duh yeah, dumb I, yeah, that you don't buy it, but like once he like like what eh, kind of like you really feel like this is a guy who thinks he has it all figured out, and that I think sells it more to me. I almost don't even know if Butthead was supposed to be that dumb in the early ones. I really think what Judge was going for is that they are the two kids who you really hope you don't run into when you're out playing in the woods and stuff. You know, uh, growing up in a town like this, the the crude era does capture because I remember you'd be out hanging out in the junkyard and stuff, and you'd run into some sort of dude like that, and he'd like throw fucking rocks at dogs or something, you know, and it'd just be uncomfortable as shit. And I think the crude era, they're not charming. Beavis almost isn't a character, but they're 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 not good people at all. They're, there's almost nothing redeeming about them in the crude era episodes. I think the oh, reason that we appreciate it and like it is because it was very much MTV being like, hey, look what we're doing. We're having kids sniff glue, you know, be mean to animals. It was, it's groundbreaking because it's it's doing everything that it shouldn't have been doing. And nothing had really taken that that stretch yet. Um, and, I, and I get why he doesn't re- want some of those episodes released on DVD because I wouldn't want a 15-year-old to hear about Beavis and Butthead and buy the real complete collection and take 70 episodes to get to what we love them for. I think the crude era we love yeah. because we love Beavis and Butthead. So we love the history and it's, it's, it's really, there's a lot of mystique to it, to these band episodes. You watch them and it's like, you, you realize they're almost nothing like what you found out about this show, but because they're so ugly and the style, it still works. So I know that what it became is better. And I actually, as much as this might, might, might not be good wording for it. I give the fire controversy, a lot of credit to them having to find a way to get away from that and still have this show be good. And it, it did make it better to get away from them being those bad kids. Yeah. Um, we're going to jump ahead. Um, like, because you kind of mentioned it, um, you know, cause yeah, maybe the most infamous moment of the show was the, uh, the 1993, uh, Moraine, Ohio yeah. fire incident yeah. where like a young child burned down his home and tragically killed his baby sister. Yeah. Um, and you know, the big thing was the mother blamed Beavis and Butthead and kind of the media ran with it. I knew there was a lot of theories on I thought that that was kind of BS, but like you, but you kind of alluded to it too. You actually know firsthand that that, yeah, that I, narrative I, wasn't yeah, true. I got a hold of Austin years ago. It's kind of it's uh, the strange part of the story is that he replied to me a year to the day I messaged him. I saw that he saw it and he ignored it for a whole year, and he got a hold of me and pretty much told me to fuck off and you know get a hold of his mom. She and I explained you know who I was and why and like we're around the same age and I've just always wondered and he opened up and like we've fucking talked quite a few times. He's a fucking hell of a guy. But he he'd never seen the show. You know, his his mom's just a drug addict and fucking saw the the show was already getting a stir in the news. You know, so um it's just a horrible person taking advantage of a terrible <laughs> I don't think I, any of us can grasp that situation coming up and jumping to an opportunist mindset in that, that moment, you know, but that's what happened. Um, and and he, he never saw the show is what it comes down to. He emancipated himself and all that, you know, she just, Darcy was a terrible fucking person. And as far as I know, or he knows she's still alive. She got interviewed again in 2011 when the show was coming back, someone actually contacted her and she's like, I'm afraid it's all going to happen again. 
that interview might oh, be a little Jesus buried Christ. now because no one gave a fuck. Just that no one's ever gonna give a fuck about that again. If the show comes back and kids like do fires, they're not gonna blame Beavis and Butthead again. That'll never happen, you know. But it um but yeah, so so you know, I got the story from him. We became friends, and then like a year after that, he told me that he wanted me to kind of go public with it. So because he realized, you know, the creators were affected by this too. Talking to me, he said, gave him the closure. He finally came to terms and just, you know, it feels fucking a lot better. Um, and then a year after that, he was like, I realized that if I come out with my story, that'll give the creators that closure too. And I was like, yeah, man, totally. So, so now we, we all wow. know, and every person who makes a YouTube video where they document it the old way, you can, Scroll down and find a Sean Beard comment where I'm calling him a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah <that> was tough. <laughs> but I just don't understand why the media couldn't do a little digging. You know, I guess it would just um, more eyeballs on a sensationalist because Beavis and Butthead was getting so much attention. But well, with, just with what just happened with like Simpsons, I think because a lot of those news segments are like move over Bart Simpson because Bart called his dad Homer and he said bitchin once and things like that. But then, and let's face it, man, those early episodes, Beavis and Butthead, considering the scariest thing on TV was The Simpsons, they did do some fucking crazy shit, sure. <laughs> you know? And, and I can yeah. understand why parents would have been freaked out, especially because all those episodes that got them in trouble were airing at 7.30 at night. And then the show got <laughs> not as bad, and they put it on at like 11.30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. any kid who saw that after school probably saw the ones that he shouldn't have been seeing. You know? So um, what are your, you know, you talked about, you know, as you got a little bit older, um, in the mystique of the old ones when you were able to see the uncut versions, what did you think about when they've been rebooted in 2011 and now coming up? Like, are you excited about that? Is it, yeah. is Obviously, you've got a love affair with this, but is this yeah. like even, you know, something new? What are your feelings on the reboots and well, now the even newer reboots? The 2011 season, I think, has some really good moments and episodes. I think The Rat actually makes it into probably my like top 20 list of favorite episodes ever. I think The Rat is really good. I don't think the Jersey Shore stuff mattered then, and I think it dates it instantly and dates it even more now. I get why they did it, but um, I don't think Mike was even too into doing the commentary on that. I think the teen mom shit was hilarious. Whenever they were commentating on that, it was all good. The music breast videos. Breast augmentations. What's that? I remember that, the breast augmentations. The breast augmentations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that was my favorite, honestly, was that one. It's like, it's like yeah, nice boobs, honey. Oh, <laughs> with the dad talking about <laughs> Some of the episodes I just really didn't enjoy too much. Uh, I, I don't like drones. I feel like they tried to go a little agenda with it, and I just don't think Beavis and Butthead needs to be like South Parking, the current state of the world. I think what makes Beavis and Butthead timeless is is exactly what they're going to do with the new movie. It, they can't. They've never been able to keep up. They're going to put them in our time now, and people are like, "Oh, they're such a product of the '90s." Yeah, maybe, but not really. Beavis and Butter are almost like 1930s teenagers saying Dillweed and Fart Knocker and shit like that. <laughs> they didn't fit into the 90s, dude. Um, yeah. They they couldn't work a beeper. They could barely work the fucking phone or the cash register. So what? now people are going to be confused because they're not going to like, oh, they're, they're not going to be able to use cell phones. Yeah, <laughs> that should still be funny. 
because it's Beavis and Butthead, dude. They, 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 <laughs> yeah. they, they don't care about learning to get up with any of this shit. So uh, I think the movie's going to be great. I like that it starts in 97. That that like made me tear up just to think. Actually, I think it starts in 98 because that we left them off in 97. So we're going to see them the year after where we should have still been seeing our boys, you know. Um, I like that the 2011 season is necessarily not candid now. Uh, and not because I dislike it, but I just I just think in the grand scheme of things, I don't think the 2011 season is going to matter more than the crude era even. I, I just don't think it's that important. Um, but I, I have a lot of hope for the movie. Uh, the, the series, I don't know. I haven't thought about that too much, but I do have faith that they can do another a plus movie. I'm, I'm kind of on this, on the fence. It's like, you know, I have faith in Mike judge do it's just, like, there's part of me that's like, you know, I feel like he has to reboot this and King of the Hill just because yeah. they won't let him do anything new, which is kind of a bummer. But, um, it's, I mean, it, I think, it'd be at least intriguing to see how it I think that with King of the Hill more than Beavis and Bud, I think he really loves, he said a lot of times that they're his favorite thing he's done. Um, I think when it comes to them, he's very protective over it. You don't get a crazy amount of merchandising. I know people who try to license merchandising. He does not let you come up with new designs. He's very strict. That's why the Mike Judge collection is the way it is. He wants it documented at its best. Um, he knows that we who grew up with it want to see the music videos intersected. It's not the way it's going to be documented so that it's timeless. He cares about it being timeless. Um, and I don't think he would make a second movie if it wouldn't be close to as good as do America. I really don't. Cause I think he really cares about their legacy because he touched the, he, he, of course he had his hands at King of the Hill, but he pretty much admits he stopped like being in the writing room around season three or something like that. Um, Beavis and Butthead, you could tell from everyone I've talked to who's worked on the show, his hands were in the pot on everything. He cared about just, I we get why he doesn't like those early episodes, right? I mean, it makes total sense, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I don't think he would make come out with a new movie that would fuck up the legacy of the first one because I think he's really proud of that first movie when it comes to their legacy. Most people have seen the movie than the show. And I don't think that bothers him none, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, that's actually one of our more popular episodes when we talked about Beavis and Butthead do America. So I definitely did see, I did think people reacted to that. Yeah. More, it, it's more digestible than I guess like a, like a full. It's a hard full to come show. into that show, even with how good he did with the Mike judge collections, you know, whether people agree or not, it still does take a minute before it gets to its brilliance. You know, and I wonder how many people come in and it's like, turn it off after 15 minutes because they're like, I don't remember. It. I remember it being better than that or something, you know, with volume one, I'm speaking especially. I think people should if you're new to the show, you should start with volume two. That's most of the season five, honestly. Yeah, that's it's the best. It, yeah, I think it definitely puts its best foot forward there as well. Yeah. Um, I've had to get my wife to like it. Um uh... She she's always been like uh, on it, but yeah. uh, recently she watched the Womp There It Is video, and 
for some reason, the whoop, there's, there's my, my butt. butt. <laughs> like, she's, I like I like that, that was her. a turning point You got point her with her. one of the simplest jokes of the show. <laughs> like, I know, isn't it just I know, stupid? Like, and then laughs at the dumbest joke. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we got so, you. <laughs> that she, she, I think I've just beat her over the head enough with it now that, gosh darn it, it is funny. Yes, it is. It's so classically, yeah. Beavis and Butt doesn't demand much from you, and I think where modern adult comedy does really demand a lot from you. And I, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> yes. I don't know what has ever taught Beavis about it that. I think Beavis Butt's more comparable to Abbott and Costello and stuff than anything that came after it. Um, as much as we can, we speak, I constantly compare it to the Three Stooges. Yeah, like I, I think it's it, timeless. Like that, I, I agree. You could put them in any situation, and because they are so true to themselves and their characters. It will always be funny to see how they react to whatever the situation 100%. may be. That's why I argue it's not a product of the 90s outside of the music video segments. Is that obviously. And that's where I always think, too, the episodes, sometimes we critique the episodes, you know, it just kind of ends in the middle of nowhere. But the Three Stooges do the exact same thing. You just yeah, right. or, you know or they're going to where live it began. on. Even somebody had had that yes. trope. Yes, he chokes on the chicken nugget. He finally gets it up. The other one eats it and starts chicking, choking on the chicken <laughs> yes. nugget. That's exactly. a, I remember. I didn't think that was clever writing as a kid, and, and now I just I wouldn't change a damn thing about the way they end those episodes. That's perfect. They never learn a lesson. They rarely get consequence too. <laughs> yes. Going back to what you said earlier, yes. I think that might be what upset the parents who actually did go to watch it. You know, hearing about the controversy. And these two boys do something, and not only do they rarely have consequence, usually the people who react to what happened end up in consequence and ends up in three <laughs> yeah. people brawling in the street or something, and them just yes. laughing at the fact that they made people mad. But God yes. damn it, that's cathartic. Those are like some of my favorite <laughs> yes. endings when everyone else is fucked up and they walk away clean as a whistle. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Especially Van Driesen. Like, Van Driesen just cares about him and always gives him so much. And he almost always. I had a teacher. I had a teacher or... like Van Driesen. I loved him so much. He was like my only good teacher. Um, but. but Did he also get lunged off a school bus over a cliff? <laughs> he, <laughs> no, man. That, that's one of my favorite, like, memories of seeing an episode of First Time. That in, like, Woodshop were like the most like caught me off guard moments. Like Woodshop blew my fucking, that's the hardest I ever laughed at that age. I had never laughed that hard in my life. That was so fuck it. That, that resonated so hard. Just that, like, just that he goes for it. <laughs> and that, and that it's not too cartoony. Just kind of rolls over there a little bit. <laughs> so, it's so fucking true. <laughs> Um, so we hit on it a little bit, but, um, like, yeah, you have, uh, your, uh, your YouTube show late night morning wood, which I guess technically makes you our competitor, which, you know, I hope we lulled you to self-confidence because now Adam's going to unleash hell on you. You've walked into an ambush. Adam, go. Gotcha. Journalism at its finest. Lulled on the sleep. Gotcha 48 journalism. minutes in, <laughs> but, um, gotcha journalism. But, but basically, uh, just, uh, yeah, just tell, like, anybody who doesn't know, like, I mean, just tell just about how the show came about and just, you know, just what it is. Um, well, it's like I rolled over in bed, but, like, I couldn't go all the way. 
<laughs> but it's like I, it was like coming up from like a day nap, so I was like, oh, "Okay, uh, I don't, I don't really know." I actually, I think I started talking to Chris Christopher Brown. I think he suggested that we do it, and and uh, I was like, right here. Um, and, I don't know. And then, and then we, yeah, Christopher Brown's one of the greatest people I've ever talked to. One thing people don't realize about that interview, we were talking on the phone three hours before we finally hit record to do the episode. That guy is so like they say like an episode's three hours long. I know. Like, they say yeah, and then afterwards he recorded all the bumpers and everything. They, they say don't like meet your heroes. I mean, it took a real, Chris is like just like a friend at this point, but like man, he did right my fucking favorite show and dude that people don't get that experience that dude's talked to me on the phone my dad died he talked to me on the phone he's a fucking hell of a guy um and then of course through that he hooked me up with a vet kaplan and then the original animation dude jj settlemeyer um and then i believe there is going to be another episode i think it's after the movie comes out uh guy maxitome graham would really like to be on the show because he is one of the people who wrote it, I think his brother actually may have been one of the writers as well. Um, and Guy's brother was a writer on The Simpsons. So so we got a little Simpsons hands in the pot on the movie, too. Um, How'd you get connected with Christopher? I know he said that you, he saw an Instagram post of your, some of your or a picture. It was a picture of yeah, God. him, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I bought a picture off eBay years ago of him. Still, we still don't really know the story, but I got a picture of him and it's him holding like a cardboard cutout. And it's definitely like in MTV, probably in 93 or 94, probably like 94 ish. Um, And I think he just I it, it, didn't he say he remembered the picture being taken or something. It, man, it's it kind of from his camera, he said, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it was the perfect <laughs> ruse, you see. I, <laughs> I I broke into his house. I stole a photo, and then I got him to contact me. You know? <laughs> yes, it's the way but, to go if you don't get caught. Right? Yeah, well, you know, the cat's out of the bag now. <laughs> you know. Well, I, I, I hope that one of our dozens of listeners isn't like of the authorities. But if you, if you get <laughs> yeah. swarmed in the next few days, you'll know why. Uh, but pretty much that, and, and Mike actually, uh, him and I talked before that because Mike found my Instagram, um, and you know said thanks for being a super fan. And Mike's fucking really cool. Um, and gosh, I, I I hope that answers it. It's I, I try to think about it now, and it's like it kind of just all fell into place. And next thing you know, it's just all the creators of Beavis and Bud seem to know who I am, and they talk to me casually and stuff, and they're. They're all like the nicest fucking people, which honestly makes total sense, though. For some reason, 100%. it makes that, total sense to me. Yeah. It's so heartwarming to hear that, though. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, Isn't it? I'm yeah. sure for you to live it, it's awesome. Oh, yeah. but like to, oh, big to time, know dude. that. Big time. Yeah, it makes me like it more. Yeah, so hell. I mean, I didn't <laughs> think I could, you know. But hey, I, yeah. I got notes from Chris, you know. Yvette, they signed my childhood trading cards, you know. Um uh, it's just like so fucking full circle. And I had a vet, you know, talk to me after my dad died too, you know? So they're just, uh, wow. they are, they're just like the sweetest fucking people on the planet. And they just happen to be the people who are part of making Beavis and Bud. Uh, it's great. 
Uh, I feel like I feel like we Fantastic. could name other cartoons and be like, yeah, it probably wouldn't be the same with that. Probably wouldn't be the same yeah. with that. You know, <laughs> it's it makes, sure. oh, absolutely makes sense. Yeah. With, makes sense with the boys. Yeah, I, I liked like Yvette. I mean, like I saw in your interview, and I remember from like Tain of Greatness. She seems like like scatterbrained in the best imaginable way. Like it's it's yeah. fascinating to watch her because it always feels like her brain is like really pinging all she, over she the place. She strikes me as the definitive like lights up a room personality. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, that's the type of laugh that will make you smile. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she's got a very big laugh. And, and it's just like, she could probably say something mean and laugh. And I'd be like, ha, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you laugh at, you know? Uh, <laughs> and of course she's kind of part of the whole settle down Beavis thing. Cause Mike was always saying settle down event stuff. And, um, it, it's just amazing how much they all respect. You know, what's awesome about all the people who are involved in Beavis and Bud is that they seem to be really big fucking fans of Beavis and Butthead. I think for most of them, it was kind of like, it's like they all probably had a moment where they were like, you know what? I'm actually working on something that I would be a fan of if I wasn't working on it. And I think they all like are really like, not just grateful, but just we're all doing it for the right reasons. And I think that's why the series is so perfect because everyone really cared. No one wanted it to suck. And because of the controversy, they maybe had a little bit to prove because it was being written up as just the lowest of lowbrow. And it really isn't. No. Yeah. I'm sure going through that, like, brought them closer together. As yeah. Well, it's too, almost like they're a fucking shit on from. Hell yeah, you know? dude. Yeah. They're, you know, they almost got an us against them. But and, th- and I think yeah. that movie was the real like we won, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, speaking of movies, I think maybe the most important question we've got here. Um, I've seen your collection. You have like, what would you say is the best Beavis and Butthead themed porno? Oh man, of the of, well, probably I'm looking over at them. Beaver and Buttface probably, <laughs> um, because they actually did color pencil backgrounds and green screened them in and all this shit. <laughs> the other one is just a guy that has a fake butt on his head. And he's watching a porn like with a chick. And like every time they watch a porn, it comes back. He's back on the couch. He's like, we should do it. She's like, yeah. (laughs) And then they watch another porno. And then at the end, they do it. And um, (laughs) not that I've watched them all the way through. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's always like. You can edit this. Oh, oh, absolutely not. Um, It always just seems weird to me like to. I know everybody has their kinks, but like a Beavis and Butthead kink was just like, to me, like, I, to me. <laughs> well, now like porn parody, like in that regards, it's almost like its own genre. I don't think yeah. like that. I don't know what it was about Beavis and Butthead. We're back then. Like, oh, I think you guys like, why did that need to happen? Like they didn't make a Simpsons <laughs> one back then. They made one now. They didn't make a South Park one in 98. They made one now. Now it all exists. If they could think of it and come up with an innuendo for the title. Um, I thought of a good porn title the other day. Um, backdoor sluts with poopy butts. Oh, <laughs> good? Good? that's, uh, that's fantastic. I mean, that's. I mean, if you're gonna get into that Stop. realm, then yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, oh dear lord! There's like, um, I just need a good copy of. Oh. <laughs> 
I need a good copy of Wet Hooters, and that's all I need. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah, need it. Yeah, all we need is absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, like, like yeah, a, me too. Yeah. A, a true Beavis and Butthead porno shouldn't it just be like them giggling uncontrollably and then ejaculating well before any sex? <laughs> well, it's a, um, well, you know, dude, I think you've just thought a little too hard about this. <laughs> well, it's a, uh, and that's coming well, from uh, me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love how now I'm being I, like you just came up with backdoor sluts with poopy butts and just, I'm the pervert. Just, but. This was all just to prove that you're the bigger fan. I see. Hell yeah! <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, if it, I made a yeah. about Porto, <laughs> yes, well, it's a uh, you know, it's, you got you gotta have you gotta have resources. Should they be like setting the chicks on fire before they do them? I mean, come <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah. Is this a crude era porno or like cornhole yeah, already Everything's in play. Yeah. We, we <laughs> gotta we gotta start with the rough stuff, and then until we're finally making like real social. <laughs> commentary we're like we're like burt reynolds and boogie nights basically oh no we got we're filmmakers so outside of the porn is what are your favorite pieces of uh what are your favorite pieces of memorabilia and i really want to know what the aftershave smells like oh you know i actually do know because i broke one of them once and a man that my whole apartment complex just smelled like really fucking strong aftershave and i mean that's from 96. Like brute? Yeah, you're damn right, like brute, you know? Uh, <laughs> God damn right, man. It smelled like a fucking kid going on a date, but just got done playing Xbox in here, you know? Uh, mm, boy, oh boy. No wonder you score so much. Yeah, damn right. Um, don't you forget it, Clay. I, I will not. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I'm sorry, guys. Okay, no, sorry. Uh, as oh, far as on, like yeah. the VHS collection as a whole, I fucking yeah. I don't know if you guys, but I have like foreign from Russia to um, Ukraine to what else can I segue into political shit with? Um, no, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, I got like some Mexican ones. Um, gosh, I, I got France, Sweden. I, I'm trying to get the whole continent. Um, as far as anything that released the boys and that's gotta be over like 130 VHS tapes alone right there. Not counting all the like old TV recordings I have. I even have some beta maps that a dude was doing like oh, in 93. Um, at this point, man, and I've said this a few times, I guess I'm getting stock answered here, but I think my favorite part of the collection is that people fucking care. It's hard to, it's really hard to single because I have artwork from the crude era at this point, like a storyboard from a music video segment. That's insane that exists, you know. Um, I have the artwork that Mike Judge did that was used for the Experience album that I got from the owner of Guffin Records. It, 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 it's just too hard. I have the animation cells from comedians of Beavis lighting the newspapers on fire. It's like it, it, it gets to a certain point where it's like, what do I hold over anything else? I've just I, it's just as a whole. I don't know. I just love it all too much. I actually got something in recently and the collection really is nearing the point where there is very minis, minimal things I need. And it's um, a disposable camera, a Beavis Bud that was exclusive <laughs> to a Viacom store in the 90s. So right now I'm pretty jazzed up that I got something that I didn't have for the first time in like a fucking year, maybe. Um, that I, it's hard to answer that one, brother. Um, you know, then there's like the notes from Christopher Brown and shit like that. And, uh, God, who knows, buddy? 
I don't think I can answer that's that. That's so one. cool, man. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to ask, like, as far as like you mentioned, like having like international. I mean, how does that like? Because to me, like, I it's hard for me to ever think Beavis and Butthead could work without Mike Judge's specific yeah, it's vocal terrible. infliction. Yeah, it's so terrible. is it okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I mean, most of their slang is not even English, so. Um, there, there's a girl who collects the Beavis by the Taiwan. And of course she, um, doesn't know English all too well, but we've traded some stuff and she pretty much told me that Beavis and Butthead in their country is kind of like what Garfield is to everybody. People know what the surface value joke is. It's not that everyone has watched Beavis and Butthead. It's that it represents ugly, perverted American teenagers giggling. And that's good enough to want it on a shirt. And it's and it's also <laughs> kind of gross out Americana like in rap thing, like spec you know, it's shit like that. Um and then I've I have a friend in Sweden, and of course, most countries know English. We're the country where we're just like, fuck that shit, you know. So <laughs> so they all watch the English versions anyways, most of these people that I've talked to from other countries. But it doesn't translate well. A lot of the words don't translate at all. Um, I think it is in Sweden when it is translated, instead of saying fart knocker, they'll pretty much say fuck or shit. And the humor is just lost <laughs> once you start doing that, honestly, wow. you know? So, yeah. um, it just doesn't really work well. It, it, it is an American show. I mean, or English show. I don't know. It sound like a douchebag, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> you know, Hell yeah. It's an American show. Fucking You're right. goddamn right. It is one thing I'm proud of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, the, the Hulk Hogan intro theme song is going to be playing underneath this whole yeah. damn show. I ain't serving two foreign wars to not have Beavis and Butthead on my goddamn <laughs> yeah. TV. <laughs> yeah! Right. Oh, I love when we get all patriotic. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, so just as far as, like, you know, before we go, and just, like, I mean, how do people, like, if they want to send you stuff, like, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, and just, uh, just yeah, anything else yeah. you'd like to promote? Um, Let's see. No, but I will say this. I, I am really grateful for the fact that we're talking. I'm grateful for all that, you know, my, my life really kicks ass. I've met my girl through Beavis and Bud. I, there is nothing that Beavis and Bud hasn't somehow like led me to in my life. So um, thanks for talking to me about it. It will never get old. If you ever want to do it again, I'll gladly talk more about it, you know. Ab- absolutely uh, dude john you're such a nice dude seriously like you your <laughs> smile and like talking about makes me feel all warm and tingly uh, i know dude. i'm i'm being lame but no, like no, seriously now he's got more yeah, wood. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> hey joe that's Boom. okay dude maybe someday we can all get together and have like a beer and i can kick your ass for saying that <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> Sean's so yeah. cool. This podcast looks like a daycare center for little baby girls. <laughs> oh, Favorite Todd line, uh, easily. Oh, dude. Little baby girls. I, I, kinda, I wanted to mention, like, um, you're the, the guy... I forget his name, but your dad's friend actually had sounded like he had a Todd vibe, didn't he? <laughs> no, he was like four foot and blind. <laughs> and, uh, oh, let me okay. let me tell another story about Ronnie. I want to tell another story oh, about Ronnie. Okay. Like, not penis related. Okay, so Ronnie used to bring girls home from the bar, and he had a camcorder, and he used to film himself doing it. So a lot of those tapes were apparently Ronnie, and I, and my, my, my <laughs> to prank to prank my mom. I don't know how my mom and dad got together. They were so fucking opposite. But to prank my mom, my dad brought that 
one of the tapes home once and put it in and put it on for my mom. And my mom was telling me this story and she starts like laughing and, and like to tears. And she goes, Bob, Ronnie was hung like a fucking tuna can. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, dying. I'm like what does that even mean? And she's like, he was that big around, but he was that short. <laughs> And you lost contact with this guy? No, no. He was at my dad's funeral. I got a picture of me with him. Yeah, he's wearing a Schlitz hat. He's fucking. I saw. I saw. <laughs> yeah, dude. Instagram, that man, picture yeah. makes me look tall because Ronnie's so fucking short, man. He's like got Cotton <laughs> Hill's body. <laughs> oh, what a what a hero! Well, but yeah, anyway, yeah. well, yeah, Sean, like a million thanks. Yeah, to, thanks uh, to you guys for coming on. I feel like you're giving us more legitimacy instead of just uh, you know. Well, Getting what a, could be a, more a, legit a, than doing the podcast about what you're doing a podcast about? So there you go. So. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, well, yeah. thanks, thanks to you, and thanks to everybody who's listening. Oh, yeah. And uh, much love, we guys. will much we'll be we'll be back soon. Uh, we're I think uh, hopefully going to start the writing process for season four, and uh, yeah, hopefully it'll be out soon. Adam, anything to add? Ah, oh, you wrapped it up quick, man. Nice. Put on your best for Sean. Sean, thanks again, dude. Seriously. Yeah, we'll, we'll... Ha, 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 ha.